Well, exciting things happening here at First Baptist. It's a thank you so much. I know this is we have a packed packed room here today. Thank you. I saw people moving in, making room for others. If we keep this up, we may have to bust some walls out in the back. Grateful for our children's ministry. Um, just some had a wonderful, wonderful um, summer. Lots of great events and a lot of bonding going on. New families. Uh, great things happening in our in our youth ministry, uh, and we we look forward to a, a wonderful fall. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad it, it, it's no mistake that you're here. God has brought you here. He has a word for you. He wants you to be encouraged, to be uplifted, and to to walk away uh, knowing a little bit more of Jesus, not just in the mind but in your heart, falling more deeply in love uh, with with Jesus. We had a great time. Um, on Friday, we went out to the band, and they were practicing out in the heat. Now, it wasn't too hot out there, right? Some of you, there's a whole group of us went out there, and what we did, we just wanted to serve them and love our community, and we took um, popsicles, about 250-something popsicles, and when they finished out, they came over there, and we just loved on them, and, uh, and uh, it, was, it was great. Thank you guys, guys for coming out and helping us with that. Be looking for some more opportunities for us to to serve our, our community. Hey, this morning we move into the midway point of our sermon series called Faith in Motion. We're walking through the New Testament book of James. We're now in James chapter 2. We saw that a faith in motion a couple of weeks ago is a tested faith. It's a tested faith. God allows difficulties and trials to come into our lives in order to strengthen our faith and to make us, really to make us more like Jesus. Last week, we saw that a faith in motion is a, is a visible faith. It's a visible faith. Faith doesn't, it doesn't just hear the words of Jesus. Faith puts the words of Jesus on, on visible display. You can see it. A faith in motion hears the word and then does the word. Today, we're going to see that a faith in motion is a, it's a risking faith. It takes risk. Faith takes risk by standing, in, standing up against a couple of things that James is going to point out, particularly favoritism or discrimination. And he's going to call us to back it up with, with action. You know, here, here at First Baptist, you hear us talk a lot about our, our mission, what, why we exist, why are we here, why has God put First Baptist right here in the heart of Mont Bellevue? Well, we believe that we exist to connect people to Christ, community, and cause. You've been hearing this over and over and over. You can probably say it in your sleep, and that's good because that's what we're about. That's why we're here. We want to connect people, connect people to Christ. We want them to know him more deeply and to love and cherish him. And we want to connect people to to a community, to a Christian community where we can do life together. We can pray and encourage and help one another on this road that's this challenging. And we do this primarily in our life groups. If you're not in a life group, I want to encourage you to, to get involved with one. It's a place where, where you can be lifted up and you can connect with others walking in this, in this faith. And then lastly, one, we want people to be connected to a great cause. And there's, there's a lot of great causes in this world. Um, you, you turn on the news, read the, it's all over the internet. I mean, there's all kinds of great things in this world, but there is a, a great cause that rises above them all. 
And it's taking the love of Jesus, taking the transformation that's happened in us and going out into our world and sharing the hope of Jesus, sharing the good news of the gospel that they might too come to know him as Savior and Lord. That is a great cause. Uh, Jesus called it uh, there at the, at the end where we, we know, know it as the great commission. We go and we share the good news of Jesus with the world. So that's, that's who we are. But what's behind that mission is a motivation. And that motivation is, is love. We love because God first loved us, the Scripture says. The Scripture says that, that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died. He gave himself up for us. He took the place for us on a cross. He took our shame, our guilt, our punishment for our rebellion against God, and then he set us free. We've been given a new joy, a new hope, a new life. And in Jesus, we are known, we're seen, we're forgiven, we're loved. And it's this overwhelming and really undeserved love, mercy, and grace that propels us in our love for God. As a church, it propels us in our love for one another and then it propels us into our love of neighbor. You know, we want to have the same kind of love that, that radiates from God. We want to have his love in us and working through us. God's love is it's indiscriminate. It's impartial. It's, it's unconditional. And thank, thank the Lord it is. If it was conditional, I would be in trouble. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we would all be in trouble. It is unconditional, indiscriminate. And it is impartial. Jesus showed this kind of love when he walked on this earth. He showed love to the, to the wealthy. He showed love to the poor, to the healthy, and to the sick, to those who were of the same race. And, and he would even cross those racial lines and shared with those who were not. He, shared with, he, he showed love to men and to women, to children, young and old, to those who were educated, to those who were not, and on and on and on it goes. In fact, you just read through the first four books of the New Testament, what we call the, the Gospels, and we see that not only did, did Jesus just love all kinds of people, he particularly had a heart for those who were broken, those who were hurting, those who were sick, those who had, had, had need, those who were downcast. Jesus walked into a, Gen uh, a Jewish synagogue early in his ministry, and he stood up there, and they recognized him, and one of the one of the leaders of the Jewish synagogue, they came over and they handed him a, a scroll. It was like kind of like a Bible in that day. And it was a scroll of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. And Jesus, uh, he, he, he turned to a, a particular passage. And he began to, to read. And this is what he read. We see this in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, the Spirit of the Lord, this is what Jesus is reading, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives and, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the, the, the year of the Lord's favor. And then after reading that passage he rolled the scroll back up and he's looking at them and this is what he says today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing 
He was saying, this is me. It's me. This is what I've come to do. I've come to, to share, to proclaim, to proclaim the goodness of God to, to those who are outcast, to the poor, the needy, to people like you and me. By the time we get to the writings of, of James, the book of James, Jesus' earthly ministry, it's over. He's, uh, he's gone to a cross, died, he was buried, he's been resurrected, and he's now enthroned. He's sitting at the right hand of God, waiting for that appointed time for his return to his people. The church has been established, and Christians have been dispersed, mainly because of of persecution. It began, the church began there in Jerusalem. Persecution hit, and, and the Christians are scattered out all over the place. They're gathering together in local churches throughout the Roman Empire. And it's to these churches that James is, is writing this letter. And it's to these churches that James is, is addressing something that's, that's begun to creep into these gatherings that's in direct opposition to the love that Jesus taught his disciples and has called us to show to the world. So if you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to James chapter 2. We're going to pick it up right there. If you don't have a Bible, but you have a phone, let me introduce you to an app. You may have this already, but if not, it's a great app. It's called the ESV Bible. It's the version that we use here. ES, and you're, just go to your uh, your app, do a search ESV Bible, you can click on it, download it, and you have the version that we use. It's easy to, to follow along, and it has all kinds of tools, reading plans, highlights, notes, all kinds of stuff. It's a, it's a nice app. If you're using one of the, the Black Pew Bibles there in front of it, you can find our text on page 1011. I'm not going to read this whole chapter, but I do want us to begin looking at these first four verses. Follow along as I read James chapter 2, 1 through 4. My brothers and sisters, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man is in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, Hey, you, you sit here in, a, in the good place. While you say to the poor man, uh, Why don't you stand over there? Or make, you can sit down here on the floor by my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? First, I want you to see that a faith in motion is a risking faith that shows no partiality. It shows no partiality, no favoritism. It shows no favoritism. Chapter 1, James, he's already told us that the, the rich and the poor are on the same status. They're on equal ground. The, the poor are to boast in how they've been brought into the, to the riches of God's salvation. They've been lifted up out of poverty and given the riches of heaven by his grace, by his undeserved love for us. And then the, the rich can boast in their humbleness, knowing that nothing that they have can get them into heaven. It's all, it's all Christ. It's all, their dependence is upon Christ rather than earthly possessions, and they can boast in that. 
And James brings us back to this theme right here, but he adds a, this pretty firm admonition. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. What a beautiful title, the Lord of glory, the one whom we serve. He's not just, suge- he's not just making a suggestion here. He's not just saying, hey, um, while you're at it, if you can, just try to, try to avoid. No, he's, this, is, this is a command. He's calling us, do not do this. And he gives, um, he gives an example. He says here in the midst of a gathering, it's most likely a worship gathering. Some commentators believe that it might be more of a, a judicial gathering. I think it's more of a worship gathering myself, but we don't know exactly for sure. But the, the person was, with obvious means is treated to the best seats in the house in this gathering, while the person with lesser means is asked to stand in the back, in a sense. If we were to put this in contemporary setting, it would be like um, pastors or the leaders or the ushers were out there in the, in the foyer, and then all of a sudden, as we're gathering, we see a person pull up in a super fancy, expensive car. Or here in Texas, it'd be a truck. <laughs> and as he enters the door, we, we notice that some of the finest threads that we have seen in a, well, in a long time, definitely not in our closets. So we begin to kind of fawn over this. Hey, this guy's got a lot of money. This is, wow, check it out. Let's, and we take him over to our coffee bar. Hey, hey, let me tell you about our coffee. We grinded this this morning. You're going to love it. Hey, let me pour you a cup. It's hot. It's fresh. You're going to love this. Hey, come on in here. Come on in. Let me, let me escort you in here to our, to our worship service. Hey, hey, our best spot in the house. I want you to sit right here. This is, this is Mrs. Gill's spot, but she's not going to mind. She can go sit somewhere else. I want you to sit right here. I'm in trouble. (laughs) Miss Gill is a dear, for those of you all listening online, Miss Gill is one of our dear saints, and she sits right, right there. She is one of the most precious, precious folks of our, members of of our church. Well, at the same time, there's a person that drives up in a car that looks like it's being held together with duct tape. I've driven a few of those in my lifetime, and not too long ago, I drove here to this church in one of those. The person isn't even greeted at the door because everyone's giving their attention to the man with, with means, the fancy car. One of the ushers does approach the person whose shabby attire seems inappropriate for a Sunday morning, and he's escorted to a section of the worship center that's right over there. It's kind of in the blind spot from our cameras so that he won't be seen. Now, you're probably thinking there was something like that would never happen in our church, and I pray it wouldn't. Uh, I pray that we would never stoop to something like that. And I'm sure Pastor James here, as he's writing to these churches, they have just experienced the transforming power of the gospel. They've had changed lives, and they're gathering, they're worshiping their new Savior, and yet somehow... That's exactly what's crept into their midst. There, this is this partiality, this favoritism, this discrimination has crept into the church. 
And James sees it as a cancer. It's, it's evil. Now, we might not be quite so open with our favoritism, but it raises its head in our hearts. We don't say it. Sometimes we don't even show it. Maybe we do, but it's, it's in here. It's in our thoughts, in our minds. We make judgments based upon how a person dresses. Did you see the pastor doesn't even have his shirt tucked in this morning? I almost wore flip-flops this morning just to see if there'd be any kind of reaction. It's like, what does it matter? You know, what does it really matter? <laughs> you know, I know a man comes from a city that's kind of known as the armpit of the, of the area. He's pretty much a homeless man. He's a drifter, has no education, hangs out with a bunch of riffraffs, I've never known him to take a shower. And his feet look like they've been through some serious dust and grime. You know who my friend is? His name is Jesus. James calls us to notice not the the external nature of a person, but to look at the internal part of a person. We're not to pay attention to the wardrobe, we're to pay attention to the heart. In verse 8, James brings out the core of this issue. He says, A risking face that shows no favoritism is founded in what he calls the royal love, the royal law. It's basically the, the love your neighbor as you love yourself. A love, like we said earlier, that's, that's truly indiscriminate, that's impartial, that's unconditional. Genuine love does not see a distinction between rich and poor, between the powerful and vulnerable, the influential and the seemingly insignificant, or any other man-made division that we seem to put in place. This is the kind of church that shows the world what love truly looks like, a church that's made up of people from really all walks of life, yet united together in a love that that's hard to even describe. Oh, that we would be a church where people from different political backgrounds, from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different races, different ages, and, and on and on might come together, might unite together in love for the spread of the gospel. Oh, that that would be our church. And if we can begin to look more and more like, like that, friends, look out. There aren't... We, we, most people, most churches even, groups, we, we gather together kind of in our sameness. We, we're all homogenized. We, we all hang out. In the same, and that's not what heaven is going to look like. We want to look a little bit more like heaven, a little more, I mean, very, very diverse, yet united by, by him. So let me ask you, I want to just ask you to do a couple things this week. Would you pray? Would you pray that God would make us a more diverse church? Just pray. Ask God to, to do that in our midst. Oh, God, bring, bring people that are different than me. And then would you pray that God would make us more united in our diversity, that we would, we would seek out those who maybe are different than us and get to know them and pour our lives, hear their story, tell our story, become friends. So that leaves me nothing. Get to know. Would you, would you consider? Would you get to know someone that doesn't hang out in the same circles that you do? 
Maybe it's someone of a different profession. Maybe it's someone in a different season of life. Uh, you're a, maybe you're a, a young married person, and you're like, hey, there's, we have singles in our midst. And like, hey, I want to go, and I want to connect up with this precious person, precious, and, and just hear their story, hear, their, hear what God's been doing in their life. Share your story with them and listen, hear their story. And then maybe get out in your neighborhood and do the exact same thing. Find somebody in your neighborhood that's not quite like you and, and pour your heart into them. Love them. Care for them. Find out a need in their life and seek to, to meet it. Connect with them with the goal of connecting them to Christ and, Lord willing, maybe to community and even a great cause. You know, in verse 9, James says that if we show partiality, he doesn't mince words. He says we're sinning. He says we're sinning. So maybe you and I this week, we need to just, Lord, just show me. Maybe reveal to me those, those areas where I am, I am not what I should be. I am, I'm kind of standing. I've drawn some lines. Oh, God, forgive me. And you just go and confess to the Lord that sin of partiality. Students, hey, we're, we're, we're getting going back to school this week. Super excited about that. Maybe, maybe this week, maybe during, during lunchtime, you know, everybody has their seats, right? Everybody kind of has their lunch tables. Why not go and find somebody that's not quite like you and invite them to come sit in your, at your table? Maybe go find somebody that looks that seems a little low. Maybe they're new into town and they're new to school. Go and say, hey, come, I want to introduce you to my friends. You're thinking, oh, my goodness, that's, that's risky, right? I don't, I don't know if my friends would be into that. This is kind of like our table. You know, we, just, we kind of do our thing. How can I go invite that person? You know what I'm saying? Faith is risky. Uh, faith in motion is risky, and it's, it has no favoritism. If we're going to connect people to Christ's community cause, we have to be willing to get out of our comfort zones and take some risks for the glory of Christ. A faith in motion is a risking faith. It gets out of the comfy chairs. A risking faith steps out with indiscriminate, impartial, and unconditional love. Friends, let's do it this week. Well, faith in motion is a risk in faith that shows no favoritism. Secondly, I want you to see that faith in motion is a risking faith that shows tangible fruit. Tangible fruit. Look with me beginning in verse 14. James writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says that he or she has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save the person? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed to, for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Here we have one of the, uh, kind of the apparent contradictions in, in Scripture. The Apostle Paul, who wrote 
the majority of the New Testament, about half of the New Testament. When you read uh, his letters, particularly in Romans, it seems like he, what, what he's saying is faith alone is what saves. It's not works. If you're trying to earn your way up into heaven, it's not, that, it, that's not going to happen. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good things. Going to church, saying prayer, all those, these are good things, but they don't get you to heaven. Heaven, the access to heaven is faith alone in Christ alone. That's it. That's what Paul is saying. Now, James here, he seems to be saying, well, no, it's faith plus works or faith that's working its way out. There's some evidence here. Now, I'm not going to get into a, a deep theological discussion this morning on the differences and how these two men were discussing faith and works, and, and particularly uh, as you look in the, 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 their different audiences that they're speaking to, it will, it will help us understand. But I'm, we just don't have the time to do that. We, if you want to know more about that, let's, let's grab coffee. Love to visit with you. But here's ultimately Paul and James, they are on the same page. They're on the same page. They both say that genuine faith alone is the foundation of our, of our salvation. Faith alone, genuine faith, is, is what's needed to get to heaven. Faith alone in Christ alone. And when I say that word salvation, what I mean is that our sins have been fully forgiven. We are brought into right relationship with God. You know, we, we have sinned and we become, our sin makes us an enemy with God. We've rebelled against him and we have needed help. Jesus came along and he, he offers us the gift of, of, of salvation. He went to a cross, took our sin, shame and guilt, took it all. And when we place our faith in him, he saves us. He delivers us from the penalty of that sin and brings us in to perfect relationship with, with God once again and gives us the gift of eternal life. That's salvation. Friends, we cannot work our way to heaven. We can't do it. We can't do enough good things to gain God's favor. Our sin debt is beyond our ability to pay it off. It's too big. John Muller, you owe 15500000000 You'd be like, well, okay, I can't do it. And then Jesus comes along who has all the wealth and he writes the check. When we trust him in faith, we are forgiven. We were made perfectly whole and given the gift of eternal life. The gift of eternal life, it's based not on our works. Again, it's based on faith alone. Beautiful verse in Titus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, he, speaking of God, God saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So by God's mercy, by his mercy and grace and love, he's, he's saved us. He sent his spirit to give us new life through Jesus Christ. Friend, if you haven't received that good news, if you haven't received Christ in that way, you can do so today. 
and receive. You can know for sure that you've been forgiven. All the guilt, all of it's gone. And you have the promise of eternal life. And then not only that, but you have him who's helping you today. I'd love to tell you about it. I'll be down here. I'll be in the foyer. You can fill out one of those connect cards, drop it in there. I'd love to meet up with you and talk about what it means to be a follower of Christ. So what James is saying in our passage and in the verses following is that true faith, true faith is expressed in works. Works are not the root of faith. They are the fruit of faith. Let me say that again. Works are not the, they're not the root of faith. They're not the foundation, but they are the fruit of faith. Genuine faith is going to bear fruit, James says. Faith is not an intellectual assent. I think sometime in the church we gather together and it's all about learning about Jesus. And then we leave and then we come back the next week and we, we want to learn more about him again. And that's good. We want to learn about Jesus. But if we're not putting that faith into action, James is saying, well, what is that? I mean, I, that, that doesn't, that's not the kind of faith that, that the Bible describes. Faith responds and moves toward those in need, both in the church and in the world. And what James does now, he gives us a couple of examples in this passage. He speaks of a man named, named Abraham. Abraham had faith in God, but he had to put that faith in motion by taking a risk and giving up his son. James mentions a, a woman named Rahab. She was a, a prostitute living in the walls of of Jericho and the people of Israel came she she took a risk she believed in the Lord Lord uh, in God and she brought in the spies from Israel and she risked her life by housing them in 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 her place she put her faith in motion by action by works friends a static faith with no fruit is no faith at all James says that it's, he calls it dead faith. It's just dead. It has no life. 25th chapter of Matthew, Jesus tells us a little about the, the end times. He says that, that he's going to come again and he's going to gather the nations up. He's going to separate those who are his. The, he calls them the sheep. And he's going to separate them from those who are not his, which he calls the goats. And to the sheep, Jesus will say, come, you are blessed by my Father, inherit or receive the, the kingdom of, of heaven that's been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And I want you to hear his words from Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 35. Listen to what he says. They're asking, How, when, did we, when did we do this? Jesus says, I was hungry. And you gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was a stranger. And you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Well, then the righteous will answer and say, Well, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? I cannot remember. When did this happen? And the King Jesus, 
He answered them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. That's faith in action. That's the fruit of faith. Works. I said it last week. I'll say it again. As a church, we can't meet all the needs in, around us and in our community. But friends, we can meet some. We can't, you can't meet all the needs that, that come across your path. But friends, you can meet some. You can meet, you can meet one this week. Let me ask you a question. In what ways are we able to tell whether or not we're merely giving intellectual assent to Christian faith or actually putting that faith in motion in risky obedience and good works? How do we know that? How do you know that? In the last week, maybe the last month, what tangible fruit? As you just just think for a moment, what tangible ways, what fruit is evident there in your life that shows that you have a faith that's in motion? What is it? Friends, I I definitely don't want us to guilt us into, into doing good works. That's not what this is about. I don't want to guilt. It has to be the right motivation. What we all need is for the Holy Spirit to transform, to stir our hearts and give us a a burning desire to to put our faith in motion that shows tangible fruit. Oh, God, do that afresh in me. Take my heart and get rid of the discrimination, the the favor to get, get that out and just give me a pure love that wants to touch and impact lives for your glory. Do that in me. Oh, God, do that in us. Pray and ask the Lord to give you the opportunity to meet the needs of people this week and then be ready to respond. Friends, I promise you, you pray that. Every time I've prayed that, I I get an opportunity. And imagine, I mean, I don't know how many there are. There's a good, I mean, there's a packed house here. If we all did that this week, it it will touch this community maybe well beyond. In fact, we can... We can, we can touch our nation or touch a nation that, or, or a state right now that's in a pretty significant need. So I want to show you here's a great opportunity for us to respond. I'll throw up this, um, this little website. Recently, you know, the devastating floods went through eastern Kentucky, submerging entire towns underwater and claiming the lives of, I think, some like 37 people. Send Relief, which is uh, a part of the North American Mission Board, the Southern Baptist, they are on the ground. They have boots on the ground. These are trained people. This is what they do. They love doing this. They, it's like firemen or policemen. When there's a, when there's a need, man, they, just, they go at it. And we have a, we have a, a whole bunch of folks that, that go into places like this in disasters, and they go and they, they meet needs, and they love on people. And they help them walk them through it. Friends, we can be a part of that. Uh, you, I went on this website last night. You can go on there and there's, you can give $25. That'll, that'll provide 50 meals for a family. You can, uh, so that's one way. That's one way you can respond. And that's an easy way. I'm going to try to put this into 
maybe an illustration. Lucas, brother, come on up here a second. Now, I, uh, I asked Lucas to help me out, but he doesn't know anything what I'm about to do. Thanks for taking the risk of faith here, brother. <laughs> you know what this is? Anybody know what this is? It's a golf ball retriever. Yeah. Now, here, here's the deal. You know what it, you know what it retrieves? It, that's exactly right. Yeah. Now, now you, you have to, somebody out here, right here, this, this is uh, Shelly. She's the new member of our church right here. And she has, believe it or not, she has a golf ball in her hand. See that? Do you think, if I have you stand right here, right here, you think you can reach that golf ball with this? Yeah, now you got to have some faith on this thing, right? Now, the, the instruction manual, here's what it says to do. It says you, just, you start here, and you pull one out, and then you pull the next one out. Now, here's, but you don't have to do this alone. Now, you, you're, you're the one kind of, you're going to be holding this thing. Now, you'll have some folks down here. We're not going to try to put any eyes out, so they're going to help you. They're going to walk with you, and they're going to, maybe as it gets close to them, they're going to help guide it back there. So you're not alone in this, okay, in this faith journey here. You go, but I want you to reach out there and see if you can get that golf ball, all right? Yeah, just here, let's go. All right, hey, now, wait a minute. I think he needs some, some cheering on. Come on, come on, let's go. Come on, Lucas. You got this, man. You got it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Let me get. Okay. Take a step down. Keep going. Okay. Yep. (laughs) All right. Now you got to get it back. Can you do it? Go ahead. Retract it in. Retract it in. Bring it in. I think you got it. Come on. Come on. Come on, Lucas. You got this. You got this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey, we can help. We got it. We got it. Okay, here we go. Come on. You got it. You got this. Oh. Yes. Yes. I know. It does kind of turn. Man, hey, give it up right here for Lucas. And you can, you can have that golf ball. And hey, hey, I've even got a reward here. You know, for your faith in action, brother, here's a little Sonic card. Go and enjoy, brother. <laughs> now, here, here's the deal. Here's how this works out. You know, now, now Lucas, you, had to, you took a risk just coming up here. I mean, I... Maybe you trusted me, like, all right, he's not going to, like, totally embarrass me. But it was a risk. You had to take a risk. And then you, and I tell you, hey, here's, in here the instruction manual, this is, this is what this thing is, and this is how you use it. And here's, let's this, 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 this get out there and let's do what it's been, what it's uh, made to do. And you put it in action, and you reached out there, even knowing that you're, you're in, eternalized on our uh, Facebook Live now. You're going to be on YouTube and, um, but you, it didn't matter. And you reached out there and you got, and you had, you, we, we joined together. You didn't have to do this alone. Now you were, it was your faith putting it out there, but we're, we as the body of Christ are cheering you on. Friends, that's what faith in motion does. It's not a, it's not a, um, 
individual sport. We do faith together, and we celebrate together. We had two funerals over this past uh, weekend. We had Friday and Saturday, two, two folks, um, uh, you know, one, a dear, you know, two dear saints, and we celebrated their lives. We mourn with their, their family. So we, we weep with those who weep. We celebrate with those uh, who are celebrating. That's what faith is. And we all step out in faith. And when we extend it out and, we, we, and, and God uses us and we, we get what we're, what we're trying to, to, uh, to accomplish, and then not only that, but now he got a $5 Sonic card, but the Lord blesses us with riches undeniable. That's the kind of God we are. Faith, a, a faith in motion, friends, it is a is a faith that does not show favoritism. It is a faith that is that shows fruitfulness. Again, I want to encourage you. What's, what does your faith look like this week? Look back. What does your faith look like? What does it need to look like? What are some ways that you can put that faith in motion and touch lies? Friend, there is no greater joy. It's, it's better than a, than a sonic gift card. There's no greater joy and fulfillment than living out our faith. And friends, we do it together. We do it together as a church. Linking arms, seeking to connect people to Christ community in a, in a great cause. Let's do it. Let's continue to do it. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for this word. God, thank you for the ways that even as I was putting this, this message together, just how you convict me, I, I sometimes just go, I, I get into intellectual assent. And um, my eyes aren't open to the needs around me and you've placed me here to, to meet needs and sometimes I miss it. Oh God, forgive me for that. God, and if I know that Probably many of us in this room like, are just like me. We, we need, God, a fresh touch of your spirit to stir our inner being. God, to, to take our faith and to help put it in motion that it bears fruit for the glory of your name. Oh, God, use us as a church, every one of us. Link us together, all from different backgrounds. And God, unite us into a force for the glorious name of, of Jesus. So God, we give you praise. And I pray even now as we, as we stand together to sing that God, we would come before you with our hearts and just God ask you to, to do that fresh awakening, that fresh work in us so that we can God, be change agents for your namesake. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.